from our genitals at approximately the same time. Yeah. But every day is well, yeah. very weird. Like you do. Yeah, like uh, uh, the crucifixion. Yeah, stigmata. Stigmata, that's the word. I was saying, ah, it's that fucking movie with Patricia Arquette, and I can't remember the goddamn name of it. Holy shit, I accessed something before you did? What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> I don't know, man. Whoa. That is I'm just... already fucking hacking over here because it's cold. What are you doing? Now is when you decided that you need to start emptying your pockets of everything you own? Yes, of course. You know. This is, James, a little professionalism, please, sir. <laughs> Very little. You know, I would appreciate it if you would show up to this freezing cold garage with no pay to talk about these awful, awful movies that I force you to watch. <laughs> You know, you could at least have a good attitude about it. Well, you could at least go ahead and you can go right ahead and fuck yourself. Yeah, I should fuck myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I've been trying to go on like as long a tirades as I can lately mm-hmm. just to exhaust whoever is listening to me so they eventually stop. Oh, dude. No. You can keep on going. I, I I got thick skin. Yeah, I don't think we're going to do that today. I, I don't have it in me right now. I already did one. Oh, yeah? I'm kind of running. Well, for a minute there. Yeah. I got to it. <laughs> we can check it off the list. To run? Done? Okay, later. Rant finished? Good. Are you all right? <laughs> I am far from fucking all right. <laughs> okay. Should usually there's something snappy. Should we? Your eyes look frantic as hell. I don't know where my you cigarettes look, are. Where's my lighter? Yeah. <laughs> you look like you're being chased by like a small woodland animal at night. Mm-hmm. You, you know when you have to go out and take the trash out or something. Oh fuck and, me! And you running. see a raccoon and your eyes get all big. I had never seen a possum in real goddamn life before. Oh god! And I had to make a dumpster run. You know, it was like one in the morning, and I fucking I was working at a Bennigan's. Anyway, I was pulling I was pulling the trash out, and I see this goddamn thing, and I'm looking at it, and my brain's not parsing what the fuck it is. I'm like, that's a weird looking rat because it had the naked tail fucking opened its mouth wide these things can almost unhinge their jaws like 90 degrees yeah with their gnarled ass teeth yeah they got them fucking fangs and shit i don't know i did not know that they were harmless i fucking cooked it right back in i was like fuck and everybody's like that's the fucking biggest rat with teeth like this fucking staring at me and shit fuck that you take the trash out yeah and it really sucks that those things are like Oh, no, possums are actually very useful. Like, oh, really? Because they look like a goddamn nightmare. Well, Dragging their stupid heads around and their teeth are always fucked up from just, like, gnawing on gross shit and banging their stupid faces into curbs and shit. Well, what killed me is that when I finally, they finally went out there to go see what it was, they're like, it's a fucking possum. The first time I'd ever been in Michigan, I don't see possums. What the fuck it was? So they made fun of me for about uh, forever for that. I'm still getting shit to this day. You know who has seen Possum, though? Who? Us. Hey, everybody. Uh, Welcome to Horror Vomit, where we talk about horror movies so you don't have to. My name is Chris Faff, and I am one of your hosts. And I am James Marino, and I'm the other one of your hosts. I, I was going to start it a while ago, but then we transitioned into a Possum thing pretty naturally. I was mm. like, ah, I can do something with this. Nice. And I'll just bide my time. Well, see, I actually listened to last week's podcast and figure out how you get me every week. 
Yeah, I just confuse you and we start talking and then you forget that we're doing a podcast and you just start rambling and then Mm -hmm. I get to cut you off with whatever mildly relevant (laughs) transition there could possibly be. Well, this actually worked out kind of half-assed. Yeah, I'm usually really grasping at straws. Well, anyway... um, should we get on to it then? I think it's about a good time. Well, about 10 minutes in, we should start the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this week for you, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know why I did it all officially, but it sounded <coughs> cool for a minute. Mm-hmm. Or nope. did, it might not have. I was almost ready to provide a drum roll. We are talking about 1980s cult classic, The Ninth Configuration, written and directed by William Peter Blatty. Starring the Stacy Keach mm. as Colonel Vincent Kane, the Scott Wilson as was it uh, Sergeant Cutshaw? Cutshaw, no, whatever. Was, uh, yeah, something. It was a, it was a major Cutshaw thing. Ed Flanders as Doctor Richard Fell, also star. Just you know, rattle off some of the fucking all star cast in this. Jason Miller, who is Father Karras in The Exorcist, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, George Desenzo, Robert Loja. Joe Spinell, who was a maniac in Maniac, yep. the 1980, and the, the sex bot himself, Tom Atkins. Ooh, Tom Atkins. Man, this might be one of the only Tom Atkins movies that I've seen where he has, isn't banging like a 19-year-old girl. Who was Tom Atkins? Tom Atkins. He was the star of uh, Halloween 3. Didn't see it. Uh, the Fog. Didn't see it. Uh, other stuff? I'm sure. Is he, was he the biker dude? No, he was uh, the younger of the uh, gray-haired officers. Oh, okay, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Krebs, I believe it was. Yes. Oh, that motherfucker. Yo. Uh, they, they cast him beautifully because I have dealt with him. Because he's usually, the, that, that face right there is usually MP or Shore Patrol. That fucking face right there, they cast him amazing. So, based on William Peter Blatty's book, Twinkle Twinkle Killer Kane. Which I have read. <clears throat> All right. James, I usually have a question for you. Do you mind if, yeah. I, if I go for it this time? Go for it. So, this movie got real close to getting cut mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. Um, right off the top, it violates one of our major rules, but I gave it a pass and we'll talk about why. This movie does do blackface. Oh, God, yeah. Uh and that usually is enough to have it just be, nope, I, we're not talking about this. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not going to make a case for blackface because it's awful, mm-hmm. but we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. And it also has uh, Stacy Keach just wearing a full-on Nazi uniform, which also would usually be like, And nope. Krebs, too. Oh, yeah. That was some scary shit. Like, usually that's grounds for, like, we don't need to watch this. Or we don't need to talk about this. But... Here's why I gave them a, those things a pass, though. This movie's so goddamn weird and stupid mm-hmm. that the context in which both of those things occur, it, it, the act is inherently racist. Putting anyone in blackface is immediately racist, red flag, this is terrible. However, it is, I believe, who, Robert Loja? Mm-hmm. And they look like they have taken a log out of what was a campfire and mm-hmm. just rubbed it on his face and arms. Yep. Well, he's singing an opera song Mm -hmm. with a black man watching. Mm -hmm. And everything that has preceded it so far in that film, because that's about 10, 15 minutes in, 
has also been the weirdest goddamn thing that I have ever seen. Mm -hmm. So while it is inherently racist and I don't like it, I would take it out of this movie if I could. I still gave it a pass because it's it just adds to the jaw dropping. What the fuck is this of this movie? Oh, well, I have actually and I'm not defending this in, in the slightest, but I will tell you, I've seen shit as bad, if not worse, while I was in the military. So if does it exist? Yes. I don't know. They were, they were not showing a slice of life like this is stuff. It was like a writer's idea of, in 1980. I swear to God, this must have been written in 1962. So that was the other thing that I wanted to compare this to because I have two thoughts about this film. And I think it'll kind of paint the way that I talk about it anyway. What's the last great 1970s movie of the 80s? No. Um... If you take out the dark elements of this, mm-hmm. it's a Looney Tunes. It's MASH. It's a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah. yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. And the other thing is the one, the message that I sent to you is, it's it's like if Terry Gilliam had suffered like a massive head injury in the 80s and like remembered how to make a movie, kinda. Mm-hmm. Because holy shit, there's a, there's a lot of... Uh, Hey, this isn't how you make a film moments. Mm-hmm. And this movie was extra Jesus-y. Extra, extra, extra Jesus-y. Yeah, it sure was. Mm-hmm. That's usually a big red flag for me, but I still, I will have to say this movie was, you, you're, I'm going to answer the question, by the way, that you didn't pose. Uh, James, how did you like the ninth configuration? Fucking, it was, I was all over the map with it, but all in all, I will watch this movie again. I, I was thinking like, man, this is, might be one of my new favorite movies, mm-hmm. but it's dumb as all hell. It, it, it <laughs> tries not to be. It's like it, it tries to put out these big ideas, all these, you know, all this rhetoric about all these things. And it's stupid. <laughs> yes, it sure is. Now, if anybody's wondering why I would say, well, it's like a Looney Tunes. Let me set the scene for you. As the guy who plays Father Karras and a black man dressed as Superman walk out and he's trying to explain why Superman cannot save Hamlet in his play full of dogs. <coughs> yep. At about this point is when a man flies by horizontally on a jetpack. A cartoon-ass jetpack. A cartoon jetpack. With CO2 smoke coming out of the back. I swear to God, if there would have been bubbles and jets in music, it would have been perfect. Never addressed again. Never. This is not a plot point. A man just zips no, by. No. They said he stole my jetpack. He did mention earlier in the movie that they stole the jetpack. They stole my jetpack, and I'm going to get that fucking thing back. Okay. Either way. <laughs> it... it, it a man goes flying through flip frame on a jetpack, and that is when I almost threw my hands in the air and went, I don't know, man. I don't know what to expect out of this. This hit me. The reason I the reason I came to this movie and ended up saying I will watch it again because it hit me in the Robocop 3s. Yes. It hit me right square in the Robocop 3s, dude. I'm oh, like, this is ridiculous, but it's still at least like, it's certainly a movie. Yeah. But do you know how many times I've actually tuned into this movie late night and just watched the bar fight? Forgot about everything, just watched the bar fight? Oh, we'll get to that. That is one of the most fantastic scenes that I have ever witnessed. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. But uh, 
I gotta say, the thing that really, really grabbed me, and I think it did you as well, is it opening with the music video. <laughs> with the John Denver analog. Uh-huh. In 1980. In 19 motherfucking 80, they start I, this like Billy Jack and shit. I started this, and with it, before that song was done, I had looked at Kayla and said, what the fuck is on our TV right now? Mm-hmm. It's a song about going back to San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Glenn Campbell and John Denver had a baby. Here it was. Mm-hmm. It's immediately ridiculous. Oh, and it's set in the Pacific Northwest. Now, I've been in the Pacific Northwest, and they do not have those kind of buildings anywhere there. You mean gigantic castles? Yeah. Secluded, moated castles for insane patients? Absolutely. They built six of them in 1923. What? Now, James, I have to ask you a question. Hmm. Have you ever seen Shutter Island with Leonardo DiCaprio? I fucking thought of that about halfway through this movie. I'm like, this is Shutter Goddamn Island before it was Shutter Island. Exactly. I about shit, because I kind of picked up on like, well... Okay, well, he's clearly the patient. I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but it was remarkable to watch, you know, this movie from 1980. The first movie directed, the first of two films directed by William Peter Didn't he do Exorcist 3? He did do Exorcist 3, which I will say, one of the most underrated horror films of all time. Mm. It is better than Exorcist 3 should be. I guess I'll have to go see it. It's got a really, really, really good jump scare in it. I say go see it like I'm going to go to the movie theater. I'm going to find out which streaming service i got to find it on. Oh, it, you can find it almost anywhere at any time. And if you can't wait two weeks, it will be somewhere. It's, it's one of those real cheap movies. It's not great. Uh, Brad Dorif's in it, though. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, it's like I said, it's better than Exorcist 3 needs to be. Mm-hmm. But that was also in like 1990. This yeah. was 10 years previous. And it struck me immediately the, uh, hey, this isn't how you make a movie. When they try and introduce 15 different characters Mm -hmm. within the first 10 minutes. Oh, God. That's why I said it was like MASH. (coughs) Yeah. Like the Altman movie MASH? Yes. Same slapstick, goofy shit, officers being knuckleheads, blah, 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 blah. And have you seen Catch-22 or read the book? No. It opens like that, too. It's like the same goddamn thing. Except for, the, in this version, we have Cutshaw, who's dressed like the fucking Mad Hatter. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and uh, Groper, Colonel Groper, he's the best. He's just a sour old man who has that's, no idea what's going on. I'm sorry, because when you mentioned earlier, that's the face I was telling you about. That That's the face of every fucking sergeant I've ever seen on Shore Patrol. Just every single one grumpy. of them. Mm-hmm. There's several scenes where all he says is, Jesus Christ. He hasn't Jesus had a fuck since 1957 Christ. to give. Not one. Mm-mm. He's, He's just waiting on it. that pension. Yep. God damn, if I can make through this goddamn thing and I don't kill anybody, I guess I'll retire and die of a heart attack in two years. Fuck yeah. So, I guess to synopsize a little bit, Stacy Keach shows up as the army psychiatrist mm-hmm. taking over this... Uh, castle full of nuts Mm -hmm. and uh through various circumstances we find out that he was the one who was (coughs) being watched by the military Mm -hmm. and that his brother is uh colonel fell his uh doctor assistant 
Okay, I, I will tell you, I had one. I have to make a, a slight admission here. When I when I heard the name Colonel Fell, I was praying that it was Norman Fell. I know, and it. I wanted it to be him. So I thought that goddamn. immediately because I, I, I will watch him in any goddamn thing. The man has the most amazing timing I've ever seen ever. But yeah, throughout Sorry. this winding story, we do get a whole lot of uh, uh, a Jesus. Oh. Jesus. Oh, yeah. But there's also a whole lot of uh, kind of calling God out on his bullshit, which mm-hmm. also, I don't think any of the uh, points that this movie is trying to make are landing. Nah. I, I don't know what William Peter Blatty thought he was doing. Or what message he was trying to send. Because, and here's why, I think this might be a good book. I I know you probably don't remember exact details. No, but, but I remember for a period of time, I think it was sophomore year of high school, I read um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, um, that story, Twinkle Twinkle Killer Kane, Cash 22, and fucking Charles Bukowski. That's all I read for like two years back to back. Because uh, Oh, and Cool Hand Luke, the book, the book and the movie are fucking on 100% repeat because they all sent the similar message. So but the, here's the reason that I think that that message gets a little bit lost. This is William Peter Blatty's first and, like we said, first of two mm-hmm. directing gigs. Funded by Pepsi. He also wrote it. Mm-hmm. Wrote the novel. Right. So he did the novel, screenplay, and directing. He actually wrote now, that as a screenplay and then novelized it. Okay, well, oh, either I'm way. Sorry. He's trying to take, because I'm assuming the novel came out first. I don't know. Because it says based on the uh, whatever, but okay. well, in interviews he said that he wrote The Exorcist and and um, this movie, The Ninth Configuration, as screenplays and adapted them as novels. So I don't know. Well, then I guess that blows a hole in my theory because I was going to say it looks like somebody trying to adapt their own work when they fit a lot of uh, ideas into something, mm-hmm. but not knowing how to cut it down to film and in film grammar. Because, again, there are far too many characters to keep track of. In the, with the written word, that would be a lot easier because mm. you get a lot more character details. You get to know these people. Right. When we see uh, some of the random guys in the, in the uh, I guess, penitentiary? I yeah. have no idea. Painter boy and, yeah. Yeah, a few of those guys. Well, why, why are you here? Mm-hmm. I, I think what happens, I think what happened is if we're going along this line of logic is that, okay, got the screenplay, he sold it. Now he's going to novelize it because he's going to sell it afterwards. So he expands because he needs to have more in the novel. So the novel is a lot better and deeper. Now, if you read the novel and watch the movie, movie's better. And that's what, that's what I was thinking is that it would be almost like a director saying like, well, if they read the book, they'll know, they'll know exactly what's going on. Like, well, that's kind of the problem is not everybody has or is going to read this book. So you need to translate it into film in a way where it's not one of the most confusing fucking things that anybody's ever seen in their lives. Because now that I'm watching movies critically about eight minutes into this movie, I turned it off because I, I realized this is just supposed to be experiential. You know, I'm just supposed to have, these people are crazy. It's supposed to give you the experience of being in there. They're not really important. They're there to give you the idea visually and sonically that this is happening. So I turned that part off and I'm like, let's watch how these guys be crazy. 
okay, that's funny. He said a funny, he said a funny. So I had to turn it off whenever there wasn't something important. I had to, it was like I had to hone in occasionally going, oh, wait, this is an important part. And then I have to backtrack 30 seconds. And it also very much reminded me of a, a, it was shot like a TV movie in the late seventies. Very static. Yes. And there's a lot of points where it, even like the sequencing, how the story goes, Mm -hmm. like, man, that's, this is real TV movie. And a lot of the shots of, uh, you know, Stacy Keach slowly raising his head around to camera. Mm-hmm. Like, man. <laughs> I could watch two hours of that, though. That motherfucker can oh. put faces on. Stacy Keach is wonderful in this film. Stacy Keach is wonderful in every fucking thing. My, I was thinking about this while I was taking a piss before we did this. And I was like, what, what was my first experience with Stacy Keach? Do you remember Titus? Chris Titus's yeah, 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 he was, sitcom. Yeah. Yeah, he was Chris Titus's dad in that. And that was the first time that I had ever seen Stacy Keach. I was like, I you know, maybe 10, 12, something like that mm-hmm. when that show came out. I just remember thinking, like, this guy's great. Well, I saw him in like a bunch of movies, you know, like when you could finally rent VHSs. He was in a bunch of that, but I remember him most. He was Mike Hammer on TV. Yep. So the Mike Hammer, that's where I knew him from. But then I remember how fucking insane he was in his other movie things, and I'm like, wow, he's and he's an actor because he actually toned it the fuck down, mm-hmm. and he could act too. Yeah, it was very almost jarring to see Stacy Keach like speaking in a low voice because generally he plays almost like a loud voice. Or he's like a Powers Booth type, right? Right. Or he was in uh, he played the fucking detective in a Cheech and Chong movie. Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> Whoa, that was fucking amazing. Uh-huh. Stacy Keach rules, man. Yeah, that's metal as fuck. But like I said, his performance is great. Now, I wanted to ask you, we talked about this before doing this, uh, about the, uh, uh, not interpretation, but uh, how they portray the mentally ill. Yes. Now, as I have said very clearly, this is a Looney Tunes and that's why I, I don't know if this is offensive to people with mental illnesses or their families. Well, think about this. Think about this. In 1980, 81? No. No, Nobody what, gave a fuck. No, I'm saying, but what was, uh, what was the um, big, big show on TV, MASH? Yep. Clinger. Yeah. That's 700 kinds of offensive. Yep. Okay. So they just put a bunch of clingers in there, and it was okay because it was okay. You know, so that was just a sign of the times. But yeah, their portrayal of mental illness, they weren't trying to, they were trying to, basically, this is why I keep going back to Catch-22. And they they even said, they even cribbed it from before. Am I crazy or am I acting like I'm crazy? Am I insane? If I'm insane, am I crazy? You know? Yeah. It was all that Catch-22 bullshit. But they, again, in Catch-22, it was, it was their... Their insanity was played for laughs. It was played for no other reason but wacky counterpoint. And they brought that into this <laughs> insane fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we'll flash from this, like, zany antics to him fucking choking, choking people's heads off in the fucking jungle. Yeah. Graphically. Yeah, that's pretty jarring. <laughs> I'm like, what in the actual fuck? 
And then we go right back to uh, Colonel Fell walking around without pants on because uh, William Peter Blatty, who plays the doctor, mm-hmm. or the fake doctor, keeps stealing his pants. So for, what would you say, the first 10, 15 minutes of this movie? Yeah. We're almost sure that Fell is one of the patients as well because right. he's just wandering around with no pants on. Yes, and I, I for a minute I thought that. But then I'm like, hmm... Because my brain was playing, yeah, my brain was doing what it usually does. Nah, he's a little too milk toast. He's a little too something. He's got to really be the doctor. He's got something else has got to be fucking happening. Yeah, those milk toast dudes that on just a casual phone call in the morning is like, yeah, I had to kill a fifth of scotch last night just to fall asleep. <laughs> well, he's just pouring a glass of whiskey mm-hmm. with what Tylenol or headache powder in the bottom. That's probably Quaaludes. Yes. Nineteen eighty. That's right. Fucking eludes and scotch just to get through the night. But yeah, I I don't know how to feel about the portrayal of mental illness. And not because like it's so offensive. I mean, it is, but it's also very much a slapstick cartoon bullshit. Mm-hmm. But I also can't be mad at it because nothing is portrayed correctly whatsoever. And things are taken oddly both 100% seriously and 100% not seriously in the same goddamn second in the same instance and this is what i'm talking about like the filmmaking instincts you watch this and i you know after releasing this or at least watching it before it came out with him sit william peter blatty down and be like hey man have you ever heard like people talk or say anything <laughs> or like seen ev- events happen like in real life because n- none of this <laughs> it's like it's written by a fucking alien <laughs> if i would read those words on a page attributed to a character i could take it because they are written in an, an authorly way and i am in the medium of a book yes. so my brain can do that fucking math <laughs> yeah you ask me to do that math while i'm watching the movie but you something's gonna slip yeah, but you asked me to kind of take any of that seriously while Cutshaw is holding a uh, stuffed boar's head and telling it, I want to know where everyone you know is, or I will report you to the boar police, or whatever the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> it's even funny when you say it. Yeah, it's dumb as hell. But and it's funny. Yeah, and that's why, uh, going back to like the blackface and Stacy Keach in a full-on Nazi regalia, it's things that I don't like in it, mm-hmm. but it's so goddamn weird. Yeah. Like, what the fuck Surreal, is Surreal, almost absurdist. It's insane, yeah. Jane. Yeah. We just needed somebody unicycling, juggling kittens. It would have been perfect. Yeah, I'm surprised there wasn't. <laughs> he had to show some constraint, Chris. Now, did, did you... Yeah, as a man goes fucking jetpacking through the goddamn frame. <laughs> Now, did you have a favorite character at all? Did I have a favorite character? Because I got to be honest, (laughs) I want to see what Groper is doing every minute of every single day. (laughs) Okay. I could... (coughs) I, I would love to just watch that man's day to day and just watch him every morning just exhaustedly like just sit on the toilet and just pray for death because <laughs> he just is so bothered by everything around him. It's so endearing. I think that's why you like. I think that's why you like my cat because he just fucking looks like a, yeah, a, a feline is, version of Groper, a big overweight obese Groper just sitting on my floor. 
fucking do something. Just get out of my goddamn He's way. He's old military fat cat. He <laughs> sure is. <laughs> he fixes shit around the house and complains about everything. <laughs> Got a little tool belt and shit. I also liked the man uh, with the hammer at the beginning as well. Oh, Jesus. Just banging See, on a wall. No, it, that is where, like, because early in this film, it's still fresh enough mm-hmm. to where I was captivated by the weird-ass dialogue. Oh, God, Cause, yeah. Because not only, of, <coughs> not due to what they're saying, but how the uh, actors are delivering it as well. This this cast and the acting that they did in this film, the performances mm-hmm. are wonderful. And that, I forget what his goddamn name is, because they introduced 38 characters. Yeah. yeah, The dude tried to knock down the wall with the hammer, explaining that he is teaching the molecules a lesson. Yes. That they need to ship up or ship out! And I love how Stacy Keach, and this is interesting because we also have to look that he's holding up the theological arguments, right? But he's also holding up the scientific arguments. He's talking about using the scientific method to prove a point. He tries to use the scientific method to prove his point on theology, too. It's trying to keep everything in one basket. Yeah, because, I mean, Blatty was a Jesuit priest, right? Yeah. Yep, yep, <laughs> I yep. mean, that's how the exorcist came about, pretty much. Well, that's why I will tell you this. I enjoys me some Catholic iconography. They grave an image the fuck out of shit. Have you ever read, like, the Jesuit Oath? It's fucking insane. Well, you do know my wife is a Loyola graduate, right? I don't know what that means, but yes. They used to be, all the, te- all the instructors used to be Jesuit. They teach in that manner. Oh, boy. Because isn't there a thing that, like... Well, that and... Th- um, if, if they are harmed or whatever, that they kill everybody, like, including the church, but for God, like... Women, children, doesn't matter. We will slaughter everyone. But also, God loves you. Yeah. It's like, man, you guys are fucking weird. Uh, There are all kinds of weird shit about that. But yeah, no, I I know all kinds of stuff about all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's why, like, yeah, the exorcist still has the little pro-religion things because you never get that tick out of you. No, even well, if even if you've gone back on like, you know, I'm scaling back on my beliefs or whatever, some mm-hmm. of this isn't right, but there are still things that obviously you hold on to that are ingrained into you. Right. And that always like comes through in his work that I've seen or read. Yeah. Right. Well, because obviously, because in interviews he stated that he wrote, not on purpose, but he, he claims that he claims a trilogy between Exorcist, the Ninth Configuration, and Legion. And if you think about the Exorcist, if demons exist, then God exists. It's an automatic thing. And on this, at the, uh, uh, you know, it posits that God exists through the end of the movie. And Legion, angels exist, therefore God exists. So it, taken in whole, there you go. It was an inter- it was I'll tell you what out of all the real Jesusy movies I've watched this was the most this was the most entertaining one I've ever seen. Right, and it was about a man like his repentance mm-hmm. to himself effectively. Yeah. Or before God, you could say. But yeah. Trying to convince Cutshaw that people are inherently good and that he's only seeing the bad that's in the world to deny the existence of God but not seeing the, all the good to prove the existence of God. Yes, and I've heard all the arguments before about being selfless acts, and I say it's bullshit, you know? Yeah, and then I'm going to be very honest, I have no idea what this selfless act at the end was, because I was like, 
I was very confused by what had happened because it seems like he just kills himself for no good goddamn reason. He kills himself to prove to Cutshaw that God exists. Right, but th- that would make that suicide and not giving yourself up. That was the they, ultimate sacrifice because he knew he was not going to ascend to heaven. He did it selflessly without, without hope of recompense, which is the ultimate gift and sacrifice. And by having the St. Christopher's medal appear, it thus proves that God exists and that he, he did the ultimate selfless act. Right, but you could also look at it as he was a patient who got escaped a mental institution, got into a fight at the bar, knew he was going to prison and killed himself. Right. But in, in the fiction of the movie, it proves that God exists because of the St. Christopher's medal. And that was the ultimate selfless act. Don't look at my medal. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I really, though, as much as I love Sk- Stacy Keach, uh, Scott Wilson as Cutshaw takes the fucking cake, man. He, oh. he's, was it, like the Mad Hatter meets Willy Wonka. He's it's, proto, oh God, proto Judd Nelson. Not Judd Nelson. Who's the guy I'm thinking about from fucking Beverly Hills Cop? The, the tall, goofy... Judge cur- Reinhold? Yeah, proto-Judge Reinhold. He's like a he's like an older, more conservative Judge Reinhold. Oh, man. I did not wake up this morning thinking that I was going to not only hear the name, but have to then think about Judge Reinhold. <laughs> ah, fuck you. <laughs> Next time you see this movie, you're going to see a little Judge Reinhold in it, and you're going to tell me to go fuck myself on a regular basis. Or I'll just sit down and watch something with Judge Reinhold. I'm sure I could find something. He's in a bunch <laughs> of bad 80s movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, he's in Gremlins. I could just watch Gremlins. There you go. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> well, I guess I got some Judge Reinhold in my future. <laughs> no, uh, you're I welcome. Mean, but for and he's not like a young young man in this film. No, mid forties maybe. Right. But appropriate age for an officer. No, exactly. But the physical comedy that he has to do in this film is fucking fantastic. He sprints in fucking flip. What uh, swim fins? Uh huh. Fucking swim fins. You know how hard it is to walk in swim fins? This motherfucker was cooking across the room in him. I'm surprised he didn't have a goddamn heart attack in the middle of shooting. Yeah, he had to jump like baby style into the arms of Dr. Fell <laughs> to crush a bag of Fritos that was in his pocket. <coughs> not only that, but he had to carry fucking Stacy Keach is not a small man. Walked him down a staircase yeah. and held it that, in that frame. That was incredible. Held it in frame without looking strained at all. Emoting, holding fucking big ass Stacy goddamn Keach. <laughs> I, that really did catch me off guard when he descended those stairs with Stacy Keach in his arms. I went, physics doesn't allow that. That's 200 pounds of fucking Stacy goddamn Keach you're holding there. Yeah, he should just topple over. Dude, you don't look like you could pick up your goddamn scotch glass, man. And all the, uh, like, just kind of spinning and being shoved around that they had to do in the bar scenes, which actually the camera work in that, too, mm-hmm. was fucking fantastic. It the whip was. cameras are the camera work is phenomenal in that scene. You know that Blatty had to be drinking with the fucking with the fucking stunt guys going, dude, I got a bar fight. <laughs> this got to happen. Can you make it cool? And they're like, hold on. Hold my beer. We're going to go do something. So, <laughs> all right. Should we get to the bar? Oh, we got to get to the bar. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> all right. Okay, uh, you know, cut, they, cut. All, all the bikers were... Had I swear to God, every single one of them were extras. 
I'm they, sorry. But they do the same thing uh, that Truck Full of People does earlier in the film, is they do the typical 80s, like, party thing where they just, like, bob drinks up and down in their hands <laughs> and, like, bounce around like they're dancing. It's the best. It really harkens back to those 80s bar scenes and everybody's dancing terribly mm-hmm. and just going, alcohol, look, we're drinking alcohol. Like, yeah, man, we got it. You're out of control. Okay, I'm sorry. What's the name of the movie where Charles Bronson caps everybody in the subway? Um, oh, shit. Death Warrant? Death Wish. Death Wish. Everybody, <laughs> Death Warrant every, might have been Steven Seagal. It was. Every biker in that bar was a bad guy in Death Wish, in one of the Death Wish movies. All I could see when I saw that was Death Wish. I'm like, fuck. Okay, but I really want to go through this because, oh man, this is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen on film, James. Because mm-hmm. this movie was kind of boring me a little in the middle. Yeah. It it's, slows down quite a bit when we start to get to know the story. And yeah. Everything once it starts to try and get deep. Mm-hmm. But Cutshaw steals a car and heads out to a bar. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting at the bar full of just these horrendous bikers. Mm-hmm. Just 80s as shit bikers. Or late 70s. Late 70s, yep. Late 70s bikers. Actually, the, the lead biker looked like the toe cutter oh. from uh, Mad Max. <laughs> so the, the leader of this gang mm-hmm. looks over there and says, Hey guys, I bet you that's disgraced astronaut. <laughs> L- Lieutenant Cutshaw. What do you want to bet? Yeah. I'll bet you a beer and a shot in the mouth. This is this is where, again, I would sit William Peter Blatty down and be like, hey, man, have you ever heard a conversation? Have you ever heard people speak? Mm-hmm. Have you ever talked to anyone? Has anyone you ever met spoken like this? Because it is the most cartoonish, insane language that I have ever heard in my life. Could have just said, I bet you I bet you a fucking round on the bar that's that fly boy. I would have bought that. It reminds me of like after school special quality <laughs> when they're trying to show like the bad kids. <laughs> well, it also reminds me of that fucking what was the there was a movie where oh where fucking never mind, I'm gonna shut the fuck up. I, we don't need to go there. Go back to your point. So I, I'm trying to think of how to describe these bikers to anyone listening because the one almost looks like a do you remember the old live action television show uh the beauty and the beast that was set in modern new york oh it kind of has like if you cut beast's hair uh-huh. he has like a mane <laughs> yes he does He's got, it looks like he's trying to go a little bit for the Elvis too. Yeah. He's got the fucking glasses and the sideburns. Yeah. With a giant square head and yeah, those sweet, sweet glasses. And that big red bandana. And and his sidekick (laughs) is one of the greasiest looking dudes. He looks like an extra from Lost Boys. Yeah, he does. It's, it's incredible just visually. Mm -hmm. So they go over and they harass Cutshaw. Mm-hmm. And Cutshaw's already fucking hammered. And he doesn't fucking... He, he, the, everything that happens, he's just non-motherfucking plus. He's over every goddamn thing. Yeah, because he's mouthing off to these bikers as he's trying to take a drink. And was the... Is it Stanley is the leader's name? Yes. It's just taking shots out of his hands. Talking mm-hmm. shit and he just keeps trying to pick it up. So they eventually... They, they say they're going to make Cutshaw part of the gang. Mm-hmm. 
it takes forever. Mm-hmm. I was wondering when they were going to get to it because it's just them doing like juvenile pranks to mm-hmm. cut Shaw. Yep. It's incredible, James, and everything's lit in neon mm-hmm. in these goddamn cartoon characters. Yes. But then the highlight, the absolute highlight of the film happens, James. Yes. Stanley takes off his glasses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and he has cat eyeliner on. Mm-hmm. James, it's incredible. I'm telling you, he's the fucking toe cutter from Mad Max. Down to the red bandana. All he needed is a white stripe in his goddamn hair. I, I, Down to the homoerotic kissing. It was fucking the toe cutter. James. Yeah. I had to pause the movie to stop laughing when he took his glasses off. It was supposed to be punk rock, buddy. He had fucking eyeliner on. Big old fucking football eyeliner under his eyes. Again, to anyone listening who might have aspirations for writing, write what you know. Yeah. If if you don't know what people look like, maybe don't write your weird cat-eyed punk rock biker into a film. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Who then, yeah, they, I mean, they slap him around a couple times, Mm -hmm. but mostly it's just them, like, pouring beer on his head and making fun of him. Yeah. And, like, pushing him in a circle, Red Rover style. And making making one of the biker, making one of the biker old ladies kiss him for no reason. See, we're nice to you. Now we're mean. Now we're nice. Now we're mean. We're just crazy bikers. It is. It's insane. It is the we're too wild and crazy guys of bikers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's such a weird thing to put in here after they tried to have these long emotional scenes with mm-hmm. Stacy Keach losing his mind and beheading a 10 year old boy in <laughs> Vietnam. <coughs> Which they did not shy away from portraying. No, they did not. Mm-hmm. He showed him holding a child's head. Mm hmm. James, this movie's out of its tit. <laughs> so the waitress uh, is concerned and finds oh, I out love who this Cutshaw part. is. And is making a phone call while one of the uh, biker women walks past. And she completely changes the conversation. Yeah, you know Katrina Doolittle. Yeah, um, Mike's friend. Yeah, anyway, she's looking for Fred. Yeah, I, I don't know. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. No, we got this guy here, and he says he's from an asylum. Do you have any asylum? Oh, you mean that giant castle that's a military prison for the insane? <laughs> the military prison for insane officers? What do you need to know? <laughs> it's troubling that she would not know that that was in her area. <laughs> How could you not? But anyway... <coughs> So they send Stacy Keach. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know if they send. Stacy Keach goes. Yeah. And uh, he shows up to sh- save Cutshaw. Mm-hmm. And this is when, again, I had to pause it. Mm-hmm. When uh, Stanley knocks Stacy Keach to the ground, mm-hmm. then stands him up, mm-hmm. and they wrap, or like tie both of them up. Yeah. He says, I'll let you go if you say. Mar- th- all Marines stink. Okay, first of all, 
this made me happier than it should because somebody was in a military uniform saying that shit. Yes, I know. It just it just tickled me in the navy. But, but I really loved the uh, level of eight year old bullying. That okay, but after in- that, he's gonna one up that one. Now say, no, oh, hold Marines, on. hold on. Because he makes Stacy Keach say one thing, which he begrudgingly does. Mm-hmm. Like, we're all chickens or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. He says, hold, hold on, hold on. You can go, but you have to say two more things. <laughs> and that's what I about goddamn lost it. All Marines suck. But just the, uh, no, you have to say two more things that you don't like before you can leave. Mm-hmm. It was the stupidest I was waiting for him to stamp his little product. <laughs> and of course his little henchman's there going like yeah <laughs> some woman makes like the worst dad joke of all time oh, in the God. entire bar erupts into laughter mm-hmm. or when stanley punches somebody and everybody just goes Woo! <laughs> yep. like it's a crowd cheering them on for mild bullying <laughs> james the scene is fucking fantastic mm. oh Oh, and I'm sorry. I'm still laughing about that. Oh, God. Or when it and well, it does escalate. But I was waiting. I was waiting for him to fucking go ham earlier. Like this is like almost a significant portion of the film happens in this bar scene. It's like 20 full minutes of the movie. Yeah, it's really long. Yeah, And it keeps going with such insanity that it just escalates to a point where it's like, man, are they going to do something? Because at no time were they physically really fucking menacing. No. Except a little push me, pull you. They didn't really fucking do anything. He gives him like a WWF axe handle to the back. That's about it. Yeah. And I'm like. I, I know some bikers and um no. <laughs> yep. And uh so Stacy Keach loses his fucking shit finally. Mm-hmm. Oh, because it, he's Killer Kane. Yes, but I, I do appreciate and this is okay. You ever watch Kung Fu, the the series? Uh not a lot, but I, I I always remembered when I was a kid that that's the show that starts with the guy lifting that burning thing with his arms. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was the coolest thing that I had ever goddamn seen. Oh, it was. But as a kid watching it, that was fucking cool because every week there was an ass kicking. But you also have to remember that when I was a kid, right after Kung Fu, or somewhere around there, was also when American Gladiators came on. So, ah. man, did I get to see some badass shit. Now, for me, Sunday, it was fucking, I get up, Bowery Boys, Cisco Kid, because fucking A, Cisco Kid. And then it was, um, God damn it, my brain just stopped. It was what we were just talking about. But either way, yeah. Stacy Keach loses his shit finally. Oh, they were they were well enough. They they fought just exactly like a kung fu episode, just one at a time. That was some pretty cool kicking ass, but it was TV movie level ass kicking. Yes, and uh, nothing again tremendously violent. Stacy Keach just kind of beats the shit out of them, tosses a bunch of people through the window until he fucking nails that chick on a lamp on a wall. <laughs> yeah. And you could tell Stacy Keach didn't want to throw a punch at a woman because when he has to punch that lady in the gut, yeah. it's one of the best stage punches. It's a, like James Caan in The Godfather where he's like three feet away. Yes. Like he very slowly like inches his fist into her stomach. Yes. Like, like they had to cut the sound because he was like, is this okay? Is this okay? No, I'm not, am I hurting you? Are, are you, are you okay? okay? Yeah. 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 
And then she fucking flies across the room. <laughs> Boom. Into the lamp. Just blood flying out of her mouth. Just slowly sliding down the wall. And, and you don't see half the violence. What you see is people get tossed. And you don't, you don't see the violence. You just see people get tossed 20 feet. Up four feet. Hits the wall. Four feet up. Slides down the bar. Now, this also has one of my favorite parts in the film, too, is when Stanley finally pulls out the switchblade. <laughs> just runs at him. No, he does not run at him with it pointed like a stab. He runs with it vertically, vertically. like you would hold a cross at a vampire. Yes. He runs at him knife portion up. <laughs> it's incredible. And then in the very next frame, we see Stanley flying, flying. <laughs> 40 feet out the goddamn window, launched into the air. And that's that's pretty much the film. Yeah. Because there's about another 15 minutes left yeah. that I wish they would have just golden globused it and just ended it at that. Well, yeah, because then you would have been left, okay, and then it would have been like the ultimate cult movie. Because, well, because in doing what they did, with the bar scene not even really being that like heavy duty or mm-hmm. anything... There's no climax to this film. Right. There's no part that reaches like a crescendo or anything. It's just kind of like, yeah, that's what happened. Yep. We're Hold on. We forgot about, and we're done. <laughs> like, God damn it. I wish they would have just ended it at the bar because there's another 15 minutes of, yeah, them going back to the hospital. Stacy Keach is upstairs and the sheriff has arrived and been like, we have to take him. Right. And um, him and Kachar up, upstairs, and he's just randomly fucking word salading. Yep. And Kachar's not clack clacking. He's just like, okay, well, he's finally lost it. He's, you know, he's completely disassociated. Uh, I, hopefully he'll come back, you know, in his head, whatever he's doing. No, he, he'd fucking slashed his wrist. You see the fucking dagger just pop down. The blood drop, because then Kachar notices the blood. And this is the whole thing I mentioned earlier. This is thus proving the ultimate sacrifice that proved that God exists because the sign was the St. Christopher's medal in the car. <laughs> Masturbation <laughs> <Yeah>. motion. Because <laughs> you can't see that on the audio. Yeah, Thank pretty you. much. Because <laughs> I'm sure I you was... appreciate the spit, though. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll spit on it before you stroke it. Don't be an animal. I'm just, saying. Dr- just dry rub it, you maniac. I could. Well, you, Build you, up some callus. You can. You can do anything if you really put your mind to it, but it's not suggestible. Fair enough. Because I have no idea what they were trying to say with the end of this. I didn't. It, did, it was fucking... No, but I mean... Did he cure Cutshaw of a mental illness? Because part of what they're trying to say, there's a big long speech about Hamlet. Mm-hmm. And did Hamlet act insane because he was insane or was he acting? And was the acting part of blah, 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 blah. And that's kind of where they're going with Cutshaw's character. Right. But was there's... he acting insane as a form of self-preservation or was he really insane? Well, there's two arcs because you could see the turn of Cutshaw. When he finally admits to Keith that he was afraid, afraid of dying alone. Yes. Okay, so now we got to the nitty-gritty. Now, it was mentioned in the movie that this was an improbable method. It shouldn't have been done. He's my brother, but we got amazing results quickly through this experiment because he brought things out of people. So it's intimated that when 
Cutshaw says, yeah, finally admits to why he's doing it. No, he's not insane. He's afraid of dying alone because he doubts God. Yeah, okay. that's, that's why and, he canceled his space mission is right. because what if he made it? What if he made it all the way out there and couldn't This is back? where it gets real, real um, swept away or whatever it's called. This is where it stops being an undertone and starts being overt. Yeah. Okay. It's no longer subtext. It's just text. Right. So up until then, it was subtext. Once he makes, once Cutshaw makes the admission and is cured because he admits it's not anything but his doubt that God exists. That's where his fear stems from. And that puts a pin in the actuality that shows at the end of the movie. Up until then, it's conjecture and argument. Once he admits that he doubts God, that's where the pin gets stuck. So that's where the last 15 minutes come into play, where that pin was exactly stuck very, very obviously. So that's why I say for a Jesus-y movie, this is the best Jesus-y movie I so ever fucking watched. So I guess watched. then that would be almost more offensive of a look at mental health was it's their fear or lack of God. Is that what he's trying to say? No, he's saying in Cutshaw's example. Oh. Okay. That his lack of God or lack of belief in God eventually drove him insane because he was unhappy and didn't want to be alone. Mm -hmm. But if you have the Lord, you're never alone. Right. If God exists, then your fear is baseless. So if you have proof that God exists, your fears are, his fears were somewhat waylaid by admitting that it was his doubting God. Again, where that pin was put. That's when he got his uniform back and went out. When he came back to visit, it was, it was actually shown, hey, God exists. The, the St. Christopher's medals miraculously appeared yeah. because the St. Christopher's medal also means that you'll always return home safely, which is the iconography of St. Christopher's medal. Yeah. That's why a lot of people yeah. have them on the dashboard. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like a, praying to St. Anthony. If a, you lose something. Yeah. Safe travels, I believe is St. Christopher, right? Yeah. It's again, to be safe in your travels and to return home. Yeah. So he returned home to God with the St. Christopher's medal. Do you think it could be any more obvious there, Crystal? Um, I think it could be had you made an actual movie about the thing that you wanted to like talk about uh -huh. and not had a man flying through frame on a jetpack. Oh, that was I, I, I fuck nuts. I, I, well, I'm just saying is that, again, I don't think you know how to make movies, man, because this is all things that you can balance in a 250, 300-page novel uh -huh. for a just under two-hour movie. It's a lot to try and shove in there. And the tone shifts do not do it any favors whatsoever. But think about this. It is inherent in the film, yet I watched it and I will watch it again. Now, why? Because they RoboCop 3'd it. Yep. Now, you want to bring James the Jesus RoboCop 3 to fuck out of your church, and I'll just go to watch the show. <laughs> and not coming to Jesus, but goddamn, I'll listen. Yeah, because RoboCop 3 does the exact same thing where you watch it and you're like, oh my God, there's a fucking robot samurai. There's three robot samurais. Holy shit, and RoboCop just burned or defeated the bad guy by heroically burning his legs yes. and then flying himself away to safety. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, but it also is, you know, a, a deep commentary on class struggles and all that shit. And you're like, oh, God damn it, RoboCop 3. God damn you, ninth configuration. But yeah, yeah. I still it, like it. 
Yeah, I still like this movie and I'll still watch it again. Because, I mean, where else are you going to see a crucifix with Jesus on the moon? (laughs) What in the absolute fuck is happening? I don't know. I just don't know. It's the only time you'll see a very, like, a close-up on Krebs while you hear a man urinating and hear him just go, (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) What the fuck do we do with this movie, James? Watch it again. Say, where do you fall? Because, again, like, there are points in this movie where, yeah, it's very preachy and it's kind of long and boring at some points. Mm Mm-hmm. But then again, you get to hear a man say that, well, the molecules in this water are much more agreeable. I'm going to teach the wall molecules about this. I could say the same thing, though, about an Altman film. <laughs> about it's kind, kind, it could be boring and preachy, but weird as fuck in the same instance. You know, it's, it's got the whole, like, if you, when's the last time you sat and watched MASH, Mash the movie MASH, front to back? Um, never. I've started it a lot of times, Mm -hmm. but I'm so like inundated in the show because I really do enjoy the television program MASH, uh, especially the first three seasons. Right. When Trapper leaves, I get a little, eh, Right. eh, it's fine after that. Chris Frogden Steyer's isn't great, but you know, it's fine. But what I'm saying Uh, is- I know, I know what you're trying to say. This exact movie, the, the tone- the the weirdness, the violence, the horror, like the, the beheading with uh, people running around in clown outfits doing slapstick. It's the same feel. But what I'm saying is that I was trying to explain huh. why I'd never watched MASH. Oh, yeah. Because as soon as I see Donald Sutherland pop up, I'm like, you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> what are you doing here? But why is Frank here? Why is Frank the same guy? God damn it, what's happening? And then I lose track of who people are, and then I get really disinterested in watching it because it's mad. I know, but that was Elliot Gould when he was Elliot motherfucking Gould. Oh, he's still Elliot motherfucking Gould. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's fine. But back then, you could, you could, tell, you could like believe him as like a fucking uh, a cop on the take, you know, <laughs> chasing junkies and prostitutes on the weekend, you know? <laughs> you could see him as that. And he was just fucking goulding it up. It's like when you see him now and you're just like, wait, whoever thought James Kahn was a tough guy? <laughs> and then you go back and watch it again. And you're like, oh, James Kahn was actually kind of a badass. <laughs> yep. Because you one, freak- one of the, as long as we're on this thread, yeah. though, one of the movie things that confuses me the most was, hmm. who the fuck made Jeff Goldblum a sex symbol in the 80s? Why was he allowed to do that? I the same person that made James Kahn Italian. That's why, like, I I wonder if Spielberg, during any point of Jurassic Park, was just like, should we ask Jeff to cover up his chest hair? Do you think he would do it, or do you think he would just, like, just casually say no? (laughs) Like, should we be doing this? Why is there so much of Jeff Goldblum out right now? Either that or he went, damn. Or, or, yeah, or he was spellbound like the rest of us were. Because, you know, Jeff was probably sitting at craft services, just hot, open to sing, and, and Steve was like... Fid- fidgeting around with everybody, <laughs> touching all the cheese and shit. You know, I'm, I might like this cheese, but the, 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 the one with the, the cherries might be a little better. 
No, but I could just see old Steve going, hey, you know what? That's quite a hunk of man. <laughs> let, let, let's put a little bit of that on screen. Let but, everybody get a little taste of the old Jeff Goldblum. See, see, but however, this is too much for me right now, just one-on-one, so I am going to have to walk away from you, Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> but just keep doing what you're doing. Oh, my God, that chest. Mm, mm, mm. I was just going to say, man, we should do another Goldblum film because I can't get enough of him. He's the best. Well, he, 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 was, he was a bad guy in one of the Death Wishes. Yeah. He was one of the cronies who watched that one. And he's also in that movie uh, Deep Cover oh, with Christ. Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, Jesus Christ. Man, I should see for the... Ooh, I wonder if I can find Deep Cover anywhere. That might be Ooh. one I watched tonight. Ooh. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. That's a real good one. But back to the ninth configuration, you know what the deep, deep cover doesn't have? Hmm. Robert Loja in a spacesuit <laughs> talking about how dry it is on Mars. And how his mother used to send him a cheesecake every month, mm. packed it in peanuts so it stayed moist. Mm-hmm, but it's like, man. Didn't did get mold and mildew. <laughs> how, how did you get Robert Loja for this? And a better question, why did you get Robert Loja for this? I think the Coke budget was pretty high. It was 1980. And I'm pretty sure, hey, you know, all the coke you can snort for two days and $1,000. You want to do a movie? Hey, you mind if I do a bit where, uh, talking to William Peter Blatty, you mind if we do a bit where uh, you stole my pants? <laughs> I just don't feel like wearing pants. It's fucking hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I guess whatever. We. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this movie. It's, this movie. It's a real oddity. Yes, it is. It's, it's again, I don't know if it's something that I would watch frequently, but it's going to be one of those every once in a while. Yeah, because if, you... if you accidentally get a little too high and you <laughs> see that the ninth configuration is on, mm-hmm. I'm going to tune in. Well, this is going up on my list of movies where I can't fucking, you know how you go through the cube for about an hour, you can't pick a goddamn thing. Fuck it. I haven't seen a ninth configuration in a minute. Let's watch that. It was either that or I, I, I can't do I can't watch Constantine one more time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How dare you? Well, I guess yeah, that's fair. Can't watch anything that much, but, no, but Constantine's yeah. a good one. Oh hell yeah, I heard they're gonna make another one. Yeah. It I'm not sure whether to be excited or not. Uh, yeah, every time Okay. But, but I have to know going in, it's not going to be the same movie. And that's I hope it's not. I hope they do something completely new and don't try and bring back. Well, one of the reasons that I was okay with this is I had to go into this movie because I was a huge fan of the graphic novel. He's British and he's badass and all this other shit. And then I, I have to go, okay, it's Keanu Reeves. It's going to be a different experience. And I got through it and I love the movie now. But it took me halfway through the movie going, it's not the book. It's not. It's its own thing. It's its own thing. It's like everybody bitching about, was it Jack Reacher? Uh-huh. Tom Cruise played Jack Reacher. I'll, I'm still irritated by it. Yeah, but it's Tom Cruise. He's the best. Yeah. <clears throat> Greatest American actor alive. He can run like a motherfucker, that guy. Yeah. yeah. Knife hands and everything, goddammit. Yep, and he can jump from rooftops in his 50s. Oh, yeah, he does. And shatter both of his legs. Have you ever <laughs> seen that? Yes. There's the take from Mission Impossible 5 yep. where he tries to jump and then tries to get back up and both of his legs. All right, we're rambling now. Yeah. James, would you recommend the ninth configuration? Actually, I would. So I- would I. With the caveat, it's from 1980. Just keep that in mind. And also, it's bug fuck nuts. Well, that's why I recommend it because it's not from 1980 and it's bug fuck nuts. It- 
It, it's like I said. It's a real labyrinth situation. This is not my quote, but I read it. But it was my favorite quote I read about this whole movie. It was the last great '70s movie of the '80s. Because it it could have been an it could have been, except for the cars. If you could take the cars out of the equation, you just watch this movie. This movie could have been made anywhere between 1972 and 1981, and you just have no idea. It leans towards more of 72. You know. Yeah, like I said, as far as like, all it's missing is a pie in the face, and it is a fucking slapstick movie. Oh, hell yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely recommend this, and I wouldn't even caveat it because you know people I recommend it to know it's a 1980s movie. Yeah, that's fair. Like I said, if somebody was just you know like see that we had covered it, like, well, should I watch that? No, if you want to, I guess it's I, weird as fuck. I guess I would caveat I, if I if I was telling like hoops, I was like hoops, you got to see this movie, but remember it's from 1980, and it's crazy as fuck. But everybody else I, I know. I know you don't do drugs, so you're probably going to hate every minute of this. I, I know a lot of people that don't do drugs that are going to love this fucking movie because they've got collections of weird shit just like this. Man, it's wild. It is, it is. It, yeah. Oh, boy. The ninth configuration. Mm-hmm. Thumbs up. Hells yeah, both of them. And James, a couple, two, three toes. James. Yes. Uh, where can people find us? They can find you. <laughs> fuck you. I'm laughing. I'm already. watching horror vomit podcast at gmail.com. Motherfucker. You, you can also find us. We have a Facebook group and an Instagram mm-hmm. page. We do have the grum. We all up on the grum. All up in your grum. Well, only like once a week when we uh, advertise this one time. Absolutely. But uh, you can go find us there, and you can go to uh, I think it's Apple Podcasts because it's not iTunes anymore. This probably happened years ago, and I'm just no. Um, it, it was recent because it just split on my phone for some reason. Recently. Yeah, uh, go leave us a review, uh, or at the top of your Spotify app where there's little stars there, just leave us five. Yeah, absolutely. And and help, help get the word out so more people can hear us talk about Robert Loja. And, and starting next week, um, if I'm going to attach a picture of our keychains to our Facebook page. Ooh. So that you can take a look at the merch that we're talking about, because Horror Vomit is going to be live with merch. By we're going week. places, baby. Oh, yeah. This All is, the way to the bright lights of New York City. I'm just hoping to get to the bright lights of well, Grand Rapids. That's where I prefer to get my salsa. Oh, New York City? For New York City. <laughs> you don't like your paste picante? That is, that's, yeah, I say inherently false because if I buy jarred salsa, uh-huh. it's paste picante. I'll tell you what, I, I, I enjoy the paste picante. Yeah. I got a doctor a little bit, but it's good. Good base? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. And if you get the hot, it's just hot enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, they don't sacrifice flavor for heat. That's why I like it. That's why I like it. Because, again, uh, you start getting chemically, what's the point? And that's why I will contend until the day that I die that one of the finest hot sauces available on the market is Taco Bell's fire sauce. I will. I will. The Cholula has a habanero. Mm-hmm. And, and Cholula also has an ancho. They do. And I will say that uh, Cholula ancho will beat Diablo sauce in any of your Taco Bell sauces. Not and Diablo. Fire sauce. Fire sauce. It'll beat it. I, I don't doubt that. Cholula is a damn fine hot sauce. Even just the regular. Mm-hmm. I don't care for the green one. I do, but you got to understand that I use it as an accent. But here's the thing. 
green Tabasco is by far the superior Tabasco. Yes, because it doesn't have the same chemical flavor. No, because the red Tabasco is garbage. It is. And even as even as an additive, I would rather add vinegar and red pepper flakes than goddamn fucking Tabasco. Oh, man. We should probably bring this to a close because now we're just having a long hot sauce debate and we can have this indoors where it's warm. Absolutely. So Nobody knows we, needs to know our fucking opinions on anything about cooking, goddammit. No, but I'm saying is that we are going to continue this hot sauce conversation well into the house. Indeed, it's we should. chilly out here. We should call this. But for now, good night, everyone. Good night. It, Eat a bag of poop. (laughs) Just a big old bag of poop. I was trying to find the button. You fucking relax. Don't you get mad at me. I missed again, son of a bitch.